Our text this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Let me add my welcome to that you've already received. It's great to uh, have you with us today. All of you joining us online, all of you here in the church. And this is a great time at the start of this new year to be connecting into all that is going on in the life of our church and looking forward to hearing a bit more of your stories um, later. But I want to speak today about first things first. Uh, The start of a new year is a time for lots of people, lots of us, to kind of look at our lives and look at what we want to change. And I've noticed that because I go to a little gym, and uh, I was going to the gym before Christmas. There was no one there. I went to the gym between Christmas and New Year. There was no one there. And then this week, it has been like there's a flood of people, people I've never seen before. have just piled into the gym. You can't use any equipment. You have to stand around waiting. And I don't know what will happen. I don't know what it'll look like next week, if they'll gradually go or stay. But it looks like lots of people have woken up on the 1st of January and said, this is the year I'm going to start going to the gym. So I'm feeling a little bit put out at the moment that there's so many people in my gym. And I don't know what it is for you, whether you think about a new daily rhythm, you know, waking up a bit early. Maybe putting your phone to bed a bit earlier in the evening. Maybe you want to read a book a month. You want to go to the gym each week. Maybe, um, you know, there's something else for you. And some people don't like the idea of New Year's resolutions. I I remember having a conversation um, with one of those people who uh, is probably more of a glass half empty kind of person. And I said, have you got a New Year's resolution? He said, why would I allow something as arbitrary as a turning of the date in the calendar to determine the optimum moment for me to make a major life decision. So I was like, is that a no? Is that a, he's like, no, I haven't got, okay, okay. And it's interesting because um, the research shows uh, there's a guy in the US who's done a lot of research on resolutions and he says at the end of the year, out of the 41% of people who will have started New Year's resolutions, only 9% will have carried on with them. And you think, well, why bother? You know, 9%, it's not very high odds. But then interestingly, he also said this, after six months, 46% of people who started a New Year's resolution at the start of the year are still going with it. And that's actually quite high. And it's 10 times more than the equivalent uh, ability to sustain a life change if you just pick it at any other time of the year. And I don't know why that is, but something about the start of a new year gives people a resilience and ability to sustain their resolution more than any other time in the year. It's often about 4% who are still going uh, if you just pick a random day on which to change your life or start something new. So I'm like, okay, so 10 times more likely to succeed if I do it now, I'm going to do it now. And I'm going to try and catch that wave. And you might be thinking, well, I've already missed out. Uh, It's too late. But don't worry, you've missed out the new year. 
uh, here, but actually, um, if, if, if you're in the Orthodox Church, uh, the New Year is this coming Saturday, um, so we can jump on that, and that can be, so this coming Saturday can be the day you put things in. Chinese New Year or New, Lunar New Year is two weeks on Sunday, so you've got bags of time to come up with um, a new resolution, and you're not too late. Starting resolutions now can have a really big impact, a disproportionate impact on whether you're likely to keep going. So what's going to make the difference this year? What should our focus be? When there's so many priorities, so many hopes, so many distractions, so many things you might long to see come to pass in your life, what's going to help you get there? What are the resolutions that you might put in place? The word resolution just means to break something down into smaller parts so that you might see it come to pass. And in a very similar way, uh, Jesus was approached by the Pharisees in this passage, and he was asked the question, what is the most important command? All the stuff we see in the scriptures, all the instruction God has given to us, what is the highest priority, the focus of our lives? And Jesus answers, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. In another part, he says, strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is likewise, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, who is with the Father before all time. Jesus, who is the Word made flesh. Jesus, who knows the Scriptures better than anyone who has walked on the face of the earth and knows the purpose and meaning and significance of the Scriptures better than anyone who has walked on the face of the earth. It says the most important, the greatest is this. What's the significance of that? Why did he say that? And how might we focus our lives towards that? Well, Diane uh, Comer sums these two commands up as loving God with passion and loving people on purpose. What does it mean to love God with passion? Well, the question the Pharisees asked was a great, great question. Because at that time, there were at least 613 discernible, identifiable commands within Scripture. Now, that's a lot. 613 is a lot. There were kind of uh, 248, which were kind of positive commands. You must. And then there were 365, which were prohibitions. You must not. So there's a prohibition for every day of the year. You could say, you know, each oh, I'm not going to do something this day. 365 of them. Now, 613 discernible laws. That's a lot to remember. If someone said to you, which of the 613 discernible laws in the Old Testament are you struggling with today? What would you say? You know, you think it's hard having 10 commandments. You know, could you remember 613? Even if you could remember them, and there were probably a few people who could, how would you ever fulfill them? How would you live them out? Very, very difficult thing to do. And so the religious leaders approached these in different ways. The Pharisees, slightly more technical, slightly more committed to the details. They they wanted a kind of an order of priority. Now, we want to follow each and every one, but which ones, Jesus, do you say are the absolute deal breakers, the most important? You know, probably adultery. That's probably up near the top. You know, honoring your father and mother. Maybe that's the most important. But give us a grading. And they were laying a bit of a trap because... Of the 613, if you say, well, it's this, why not that? If it's this, is it really more important than this? And then you had the Sadducees who'd just been chatting to Jesus. And they don't even think there's going to be a resurrection. So for them, it's, it's, you know, it's a bit more relativistic. It's all relative. Don't get too hung up on it all. We're all going to die. So just focus maybe on a couple more of the kind of socially important ones. 
you know, unjust business practices, things like that. And Jesus responds in a way that is completely brilliant. Because he could have said, oh, well, it's only this command. Or out of all of them, it's just these three or four that are important. Or he could have said, don't worry about any of them. Just, just try and be kind. Try and live a good life. But what he actually says is that everything you have in the law and the prophets, the instruction of God, God's guidance and commandment on how to live is held up, is supported by these two commandments. And so we're going to see how this works. So Dittier and Danny are going to come and be my little assistants. Come, 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 come. So Danny, do you want to go over there? Dittier, come over here. Brilliant. So fantastic. Just roll it out. Come, come, guys, guys. Bit, bit further, bit further, bit further. So this is not, that's enough. Brilliant. Come, 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 come. Bit, come this way, Dittier. Come this way. Well done. Keep going, Danny. Keep going. Well done. So um, this is obviously not all the law and the prophets. I don't really think that's all of it. It's just what I had the time to write last night. Um, uh, but Jesus could have come along when he said, okay, this is important. Don't worry about that. Don't stress about that. That's very old school. It's kind of a bit passe. Um, he could have said that, and that would have been fine. Uh, he could have come along and said, oh, yeah, you know, it's just it's all relative. Don't, don't stress. Just old words. But what he actually says is all the law and all the prophets, all the instruction of God is held up by two things, two commandments, absolutely essential. Dittier. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's Dittier. I think Dittier models that quite well, don't you think? The first and greatest commandment, modeling Dittier. Cheer for Dittier. <laughs> oh, it's hanging on you, Dittier. You can't let go. And, um, and then Danny, love your neighbor as yourself. Very important. Bit taller than Dittier, but not greater than Dittier. Just like Dittier. And um, so round of applause to uh, Danny there on that side. And all of it hangs on those two commandments. It's impossible for it to be held up without those two commandments. If you're trying to live a life in accordance with the Torah, in accordance with God's instruction, you will fail, completely fail, have no hope without loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor and yourself, because they support it. They give structure to it. They hold it up. They pin it up. They're the purpose and the foundation, and the pillars of everything God is calling us to do. Jesus says it hangs on the strength of these two commandments. Give a round of applause for DTA and Danny. So, I mean, this is what it used to be like in the temple. You just, guys, you know, come on, just roll it up, roll up the top. And... Um, <laughs> And so, I I don't know how you find this, but uh, love God with passion. Love people on purpose. It all hangs on those two commands. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And I find this really challenging. I don't know how you find the word love in life. Maybe you're very comfortable with it. You're happy to say, you know, I love this, I love that. I love this, I love that. At times I've really struggled with the word love and just using the word love. It feels like quite a strong emotion to articulate. Not always very comfortable with that. When Beth and I started dating, we started dating at the end of November and uh, we got through the first Christmas, always a bit, you know, touching it. And, um, and then we got to the end of January and February was approaching and February meant Valentine's 
Valentine's Day. And I don't know how you found Valentine's Day, but Valentine's Day, when you're about three months into a relationship, is a really tricky milestone. Because you, know, you don't want to go overboard, you don't want to be too intense, but you don't want to be underboard. You know, that's not a good thing to do. So, so you, know, you don't want to kind of freak them out by overloading them with gifts, but you don't just want to send a text. Please don't just send a text. Don't do that. Don't, it's really bad. And, um, and so I wasn't quite sure how to approach Valentine's Day. And uh, Beth gave me a card. And in that card, it had three words written in it that I hadn't expected, didn't anticipate. And if I'm honest, scared me uh, a little bit. And they were these words, I love you. Three months in, like, I love you. And I was like, you know, whoa, we're in a situation now. Because I don't know how you've experienced it in life, but once someone says, I love you, there's kind of an expectation that you might respond in some way, like a reciprocal invitation. You know, if someone says, I love you, it's weird if you just say, thanks. <laughs> or, I love you. It's really nice. Uh, I love you. So kind of you to say that. Really appreciate it. Doesn't quite cut it. And so I had a bit of soul searching, I had to work it out. And I realized as we approached Valentine's Day, no, I, I, do, I do love her. And, you know, it took me a while to work that out and to say it out loud because... Uh, unusually for 20-year-old guys, a bit scared of commitment. And um, everything we do, all the love we have for God, only comes as a response to our understanding of his love for us. In the beginning of your love for God is an experience, a realization, a revelation of his love for you. And sometimes I think there's a lot going on in my heart. There's a lot going on in my mind. A lot going on in my soul. So many things competing for my attention and my focus and my passion. You know, maybe you love your career. Maybe you love your family. Maybe you love your partner. Maybe you love your independence. Maybe you love your routine. Maybe you love your comfort. Maybe you love your convenience. Now, those are all good things. They're great things. But it's very easy for good things to slightly get in the way of the best thing. And I was thinking this week, if I'm honest with myself, if I'm aiming for all my heart, where am I at today? You know, what what percentage am I operating at today? You know, so say if we did a kind of heartometer, little heart here, and we were trying to work it out, you know, where am I at today? So, uh, you know, maybe you're doing brilliantly. Maybe you're like, you're like, I'm nailing this thing called faith. And um, and so you're like, you know, I... You know, I love God with all my heart. You know, I, I've tattooed his name on my chest. I actually had his name tattooed on my chest over Christmas. You know, I spent three weeks over Christmas, you know, in the hills, just worshipping and praising God in my, on my own, in the cold, just to keep my focus really good on God. So you would say, you know, you'd like to say you're 100%, but actually no one wants to be that boastful. So you'd say, I'm 99%. Thank you very much, Steve. And so you're kind of there, you're 99%. Maybe it's like, your first or second time in church today, maybe you came to the carols, maybe you're on, if you're honest, you're like, you know, I haven't even thought about the idea that you might love God. To be honest, before December, I didn't even know God existed. Like, so I, I think if I was honest about it, I'm like, I'm like 5%. So maybe you're like 5% of your heart here. Um, maybe you're like uh, 60%. Maybe you're like, you know, I, you know, I like God. You know, I... I, I, I but if I'm honest, I never really think that much about loving God. If I'm honest about my emotions, I think what I feel is more kind of like 
admiration for God. Like, I admire him. He's got good qualities. He's a great person. And, um, and I never really think about that admiration becoming love. So I'm at like 60%. Um, maybe you would say, I'm kind of 50-50. I come down the middle. You know, on my good days, I think God's great. On my bad days, not so much. And, um, and you're kind of 50-50. Maybe you've had a really, really tough year. You know, and, and you've experienced disappointment, uh, maybe some loss, uh, maybe some wounds. And you're like, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm 20 to 30% because I'm finding it a bit hard at the moment even to trust God. And it seems like a stretch to say, I love him. And it's good to be honest with ourselves. I mean, God's not shocked. He knows. I mean, it's like, he's not like, you sing those songs and you're 20%? What? He's not surprised. Where do you think you're at if we're looking to love the Lord our God with all our heart? I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, you know, sometimes I just need a bit of a jump start. My heart needs a bit of a reminder. There's so many different things crowding out space. So I was thinking this week, why do I love God? Well, before I did anything worthy of love, he loved me. He's rescued me. Sometimes I take that for granted, but he has. God doesn't give up on me, even when I give up on myself. He's got good purposes for my life, even when I feel a bit lost and a bit confused. He doesn't get let go of me. And he's seen me through some dark nights and some stormy days. With God, each new day is filled with limitless possibility. He's forgiven me my sin. And I can experience the breathless wonder of forgiveness each new day. Who's willing to bear any cost, pay any price, bear any burden to win me. He doesn't just save me, but he wants me to play a part in his purposes to transform that world. That's a wonderful thing. He heals, he restores. He's protected my very life at times. I have no doubt about that. He's a God of justice and love. He cares for the least and the last and the lost. And to see his majesty is to experience his mercy. He confounds the powerful. He comforts the weak. His ways are higher and better than my ways. So even when I don't understand what is happening, I can trust his goodness. His love endures forever. And what he's taken hold of He ain't letting go of. He's patient. He listens. He draws close. And he is especially close to the broken hearted. Sometimes you just have to take a moment and remind your heart why you might love God. And then how do you do it? How do you help that love grow in your heart? Well, I'd really encourage you um, this year... To, to come up with some ideas of how you might do that. You know, you've got this week or this day, uh, you've got one of these on your chair. It's just, just some rhythms you might commit to this year. You know, in 2023, these are the rhythms I want to put in place to help love grow in my heart, to help me love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, love my neighbor as myself. And I was just kind of, I was just scribbling down some ideas this week for what I might put in place in my life. So, so these might not be relevant for you, but they're relevant for me. First, scripture before screens. I love this phone a little bit too much. I have a kind of complicated relationship with my iPhone. And, um, and, and what I find is if I often read the Bible on my iPhone, that's great. But 
I find once I turn it on, I kind of get diverted into the news and emails and WhatsApp and uh, Instagram and all these other things. So I think, I'm not going to turn you on uh, until I've actually read the Bible. So scripture before screens, that's an important one for me. Uh, Maybe uh, this year I want to pray more than I scroll. I I kind of got into this bad habit at the end of the day of what they call doom scrolling. You know, we're just looking at information and just kind of surfing and just looking at everything that's happening in the world. And thinking, oh, that's bad. That's even worse. That's even worse. And um, when I come face to face with Jesus Christ uh, at the end of days, I don't want to, when he says, what are you doing in 2023? I don't want to say, I used my thumb a lot. Like I was really good at kind of like scrolling up on my iPhone. And um, so I just want to pray more than I scroll, you know, because it's good to be informed. But I don't need a blow-by-blow account of everything that's happening in the royal family every single day, each hour. You know, it's good to know what's going on in Ukraine, but I can become a little bit like, oh, what's the difference between a Bradley infantry fighting vehicle and a martyr? You know, it's like, how do they relate to each other? You know, so maybe you want to pray more than you scroll. Maybe you want to pray as you walk. Simon last week made me laugh. He was saying that he can fall asleep in any position praying. That's amazing. And, um, and I can be a bit like that sometimes. I'm praying, I'm sitting down. I kind of like, you know, particularly at the end of the day. So maybe I need to change how I pray. You know, maybe I um, need to pray walking around. You know, pray as I walk. For me, I think this year, um, because I'm not very good at the gym and I'm, I'm, I'm a real amateur and I don't lift much, I might try praying as I lift in the gym. You know, not out loud because that would freak people out. You know, oh, Father, in heaven. You know, that would not be good. I'd probably get banned. But, um, but pray as I lift. Or do something like that. You know, try and pray in a different way. Worship more than I worry. Maybe you're one of those people that wakes up at 3 a.m. worrying about something. So maybe, on your phone, you want to put together a little playlist. Like my worry playlist. When I'm tempted to worry, I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship more than I worry. And just listen to songs that remind your heart of God's goodness. Maybe, for me, I want to secure my Sabbath. I'm terrible at taking time off. It's one of my real faults. This year, I want to kind of secure that time because it's not just an invitation, it's a command. And the Sabbath is based on the principle that God can do more through you in six days than you can do on your own in seven. To trust that. You know, you will never change your life until you change something that you do daily. What are the things that you might put in place today to strengthen that hook? To strengthen that hook of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. But then the second thing is loving our neighbors ourselves, loving people on purpose. And Jesus says this is the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? Like it, flowing from it, based on the same proposition. Why? Because we love God for who God is. And we love our neighbor because they bear God's image. Anyone you meet this week, They bear God's image. They're your neighbor. The people you come across in your workplace, even the difficult people, even your boss, they're your neighbor. They bear God's image. They're not randoms. You have an opportunity to step out towards those in your workplaces, your schools, your business, your university, and show them that love this year. But it doesn't just happen on accident. That's what I find. It helps to have some resolutions to help you do this. And I haven't always um, found this easy. It's interesting. It has to be a command. In these things, you'd think if they were obvious, they were so easy, God wouldn't have to command us to do them. But they're a command. 
and interpersonal relationships seem to be so important to Jesus. It's almost like he thinks that how we treat each other is disproportionately significant in revealing how we actually honestly relate to God. Because how we treat other people is like an outward and visible sign of whether God's love has actually gripped our hearts. And I found this difficult at times. I remember when I was working kind of 70 to 80 hour weeks um, in my 20s. It was full on. I didn't have much capacity. And I'd go to church. And I didn't want to be, really want to be involved. Like church I thought of as like me time. Like I'm working flat out six days a week on Sundays. I just want to go to church. Don't want to speak to any difficult people. Don't want to be committed to anything. Just want to turn up. It's me and God. And just kind of, that's quite my little sanctuary time in the week. And um, the church was, you know, in a very diverse area and um, in, on, uh, in the middle of quite a rough area. And uh, so I, I remember, you know, over coffee one day, this guy came up to me and I was saying, hi. He said, what do you do? And I said, actually, I work as a barrister. He said, oh, I need a barrister. And I said, oh, no, actually, I'm, I'm a criminal barrister, so I accuse... I defend people accused of crimes. He said, that's what I need. And uh, I said, oh, I said, oh, well, you know, I, 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 um, I only tend to represent people when it gets really serious. He said, yeah, that, that's, that's um, are you free next week? I was, like, I was like, oh, and I was like, I've got a problem here. This is a little bit close to home. So I said, well, uh, actually, you know, I, I'm, I'm very junior. I've only been qualified two years. So uh, he said, I'll get you while you're cheap. I was like, oh, no. So I was like, I did not expect to be touting for business at the back of church. And, um, and I was thinking, this is just not great. You know, it's too complicated. And, and then to my surprise, they came up, the, the people in the church said to me, oh, Steve, could you help lead the coffee team on a Sunday? And I was like, I'm a barrister, not a barista. I do not want like six days a week to be working as a barrister. And then on Sundays to be working as a barista, this is my only day off. But I just couldn't think of what to say, so I said, okay. And then the next week, I'm there, like, trying to get this coffee machine to work, trying to get the cups and trying to get it to work. Like, what am I doing? My absolute shock was that over the following six or seven weeks, something happened in my heart. Like, I found that I loved God more because I was making these people coffee. And I found I loved the people more. I got really excited about it. As they came in, I'd be like, oh, I can give that person a coffee and make their morning a bit nicer. I like, look forward to meeting them. I, like, was like, I said to the pastors, we need a new coffee machine. It's not good enough coffee. These are like the gathered saints, the people of God coming to worship. We need the best coffee in the whole area. Like, I was like, let's get a better team. Let's get a better structure. Let's do it better. Because my heart was growing with love for those who are around me. C.S. Lewis said, you know, don't waste time asking yourself, do I love my neighbours, just treat them as if you love them, and then the love in your heart will grow. And that is what I have found over the years, stepping out. And I don't know what it is for you. I love that this is a church that has a vision to be like the most welcoming place. You can turn up here and be welcomed wherever you're coming from, however difficult your life has been. Whether you're very successful or you're hanging on by your fingertips. Whether you've known God all your life or you still are not even sure who he is. I love the fact that we welcome people who are recovering from addiction, who have just been released from prison, who are trying to rebuild their lives. I love the fact that we have a vision to reach out to those in our workplaces and show God's love to them by the way we treat them. Sometimes it's just asking someone how they're doing and waiting to hear the answer buying someone a coffee, stepping out, joining a team, volunteering to support those in our act community, caring for the most vulnerable in our city. 
Lots of different ways we can do that this year. But I wonder what it might look like for you to step out and show love for your neighbor. You know, sometimes one of the, the best ways to love your neighbor is to invite them to encounter Jesus. It's one of the reasons we run Alpha here is because we just want to give people a really relaxed, easy space to explore faith. Great food, interesting talk, great conversation. What's not to love? Think of the people who are around you now, people who are in proximity to you, wherever you are. And all it takes is like a text message. And you can say, come and see. That's showing love for them. Sometimes we take for granted what we've got. You know, people are looking for peace. They're looking for hope. They're looking for joy. They're looking for a way through the complexity in our world. And we have the best news in the world. So how would you love your neighbors yourself? I was writing some of these down. Like, be generous. Like, it's such a simple principle, but you might want to be generous this year. Uh, you might want to, another commitment you might want to make, looking for those on the margins. You know, looking for those who are a bit left out and coming alongside them. Welcoming newcomers. Welcoming newcomers in church. Such an important thing. I still remember Beth and I turned up in a new city. We went to a church. We were so nervous. We didn't know what we are stepping into. This family came up to us and they said, you okay? Yeah. You knew? Yeah. Oh, it's great to meet you. They chatted to us for five minutes. Then they said, what are you doing now after the service? We said, oh, we don't know. We're new. And they said, would you like to come for Chinese food with us? I mean, Chinese food is my love language. I was like, yes, we would like to. I mean, they're still friends now. It's 20 years ago. Buy someone Chinese food. Show them love. You know, welcoming newcomers in the workplace. Being kind at the workplace. You know, look out for the person who's starting a new position in your company or in your business. Remember once I worked for a company where um, when someone new started, they would put a sign on the printer photocopier which said, this is a voice-activated machine, but the microphone is not very good, so you have to shout. So people would come up and say, two copies, please. The poor new person. And they were like, everyone would be kind of like, two copies, please. That's not kind. Funny, very funny, but not kind. Being kind to the new person, coming alongside them, inviting people, you know, committing to joining a team, praying for those in proximity, your family, your friends, your colleagues, loving those you find difficult and might disagree with. You know, loving your neighbor doesn't mean you have to agree with everything in our life. It doesn't mean you have to um, approve of everything in our life. Jesus loved us while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies, and yet he made us his neighbors. Think what would happen this year in our church, in our lives, in our families, in our friendships, if we just made four commitments and we live by them. Now, not, not every day. We're not going to get it right every day. But we said, no, what we're going to do is we want to love God with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And we're going to go after that this year. And we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're going to go after that this year. Think of the difference that would make in our church. Think of the difference that would make in our relationships, our homes, our schools, our businesses, our communities. What I love about this is, is that Jesus didn't just say this. He lived it. You know, he lived the life of worship and devotion and obedience to his Father. And he demonstrated extraordinary love and compassion to people others wouldn't even have noticed, wouldn't even have touched. People others thought were beyond redemption. And he didn't just live it, he died it. He was obedient to death. 
even death on a cross. And in his death, he demonstrated that he loved the Lord. He loved his Father with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul, and with all his strength. That vertical dimension of the cross. And that he loved his neighbors as himself. He reached out his arms wide on the cross and made you and made me his neighbors and gave himself for his neighbors, for you and for me. If you ever find it hard to remember this, you've got two lines. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The vertical, the horizontal. Jesus lived it, he died it. And it's by his example, through his power, by his saving grace, that we even have a hope of making a go of it this year. This isn't intense, it's not heavy, it's meant to be an adventure, it's meant to be fun. But what could you commit to that might make a difference this year as we seek to love God with passion and love others on purpose? In Jesus' name, amen.